Definitely grateful for Darren. I've had the opportunity to meet with him on a couple of different occasions. I definitely wanted to know who the person was or the organization that was holding our debt. And it is, it is great, you know, it is good to know that it is being used in a dual way. And got to play golf with Darren a couple of months ago. And so just an incredible guy who has a heart for the Lord. So we have a really good partner in CFR. So are you ready for the word this morning? That's the question. All right, man, I love it, love it. How excited you are about the word. So Colossians chapter three, Colossians chapter three, we are continuing our series, All Things New. Now we saw the very first week that you need a new you, I need a new me, we need a new us. Like you need a new you. And then we saw last week how God gives the new you new ways to face old days. Because we still live in a broken world, one of these days he will fully make all things new when Jesus comes back the second time and he creates the new creation, brings heaven to earth. But until then, we still live in old days, but he's given us new ways to face those old days. Now, I was thinking about this whole idea of wearing some clothes and I thought to myself, you know what? Let's play a game this morning. You ready to play a game? All right, here's the game. Guess the occupation. All right, so I'm going to put up some images behind me and you have to guess the person or the people's occupation. You understand? All right, here we go. The first image is this. What's their occupation? Judge. All right, congratulations. All right, we're one for one. The, the next image? Pilot. You're two for two. Now, just notice this. I don't know if they hand out those little wings anymore, but I remember when I flew when I was a young child, they gave me wings. I don't know if they give them anymore, but that's cool. All right, so we got a pilot. The next image? All right, you're three for three. You're really getting the hang of this. All right, what's the next image? Chef. Chef. All right, the next image? That one's funny. <laughs> He's a baseball player, but some of you, you know him as Michael Jordan. He threw you off because I don't know if you remember in 93, 94, something like that, he took off from basketball and he's like, you know what? Let me play a little bit of baseball. I would have loved to pitch against Michael Jordan. You know why? Because his strike zone was very big. Anyway, so um, <laughs> the, uh, the next image. Nurse, yes, yes. Some people wanted to say it was a doctor, but doctors love to put their name on their little white coats, and so there's no name on this blue coat. All right. <laughs> that is a old millennial who works from home. He's got a little business on the top. A little party at the bottom. I mean, so anyways, but that's really cool where you, you really, you understand the image and you understand what they do because of what they wear. And so this idea of what you wear depicting who you are, I, I wanted to kind of chase that down be, because I, I thought there was something to it. And there is, I mean, there, there's a lot to it. I came across many articles. I came across many books that talk about the psychology of what we wear and it depicts who we are. So here are a couple of statements that I found this week. The clothes we wear send powerful signals to our peers and strangers projecting the self-image of us that we want to display. So what you are wearing today, you are depicting something to other people, peers or strangers, what you want to display. Now I thought, man, this is so cool because here's me. 
I'm just casual. I mean, you you know, I'm just a down-to-earth, casual person, which means like I'm accessible. I, I like to wear just kind of casual street clothes, but secretly, I got it all together. My watch matches my belt, which what matches my shoes. And then I've heard from, from some people that I got a pretty good shoe game because that, that is the accent. That's the accessory that, you know what? You know, he, he's got some style. He's got some style, but he's accessible. He's got it together, style, and accessible. That, that's what I want my clothes to depict about me. Here, here's, another, here's another quote that I came across. The type of clothes you wear and the kinds of accessories you use to either jazz them up or tone them down says a lot about who you are, where you're from, what you do, and how you feel about yourself and others. In fact, did you know there's a thing called dress scholars? So some of you, you know, where's my Gen Z at? You might want to be a dress scholar. But in fact, dress scholars, Mary Ellen Roach and Joanne Eicher, find that dress is one of the main ways we send social signals because what we wear shows our... What? What you wear is somehow depicting, it's showcasing who you are, your identity. I even came across this book this week, and I actually put it in my Amazon cart. You are what you wear, what your clothes reveal about you. And in it, she talks about the psychology of dress. You say, Josh, what in the world does this have to do with where we're going? Everything. Because what we'll talk about today is how the Apostle Paul talks about putting off some clothes and putting on some new clothes. So, so with that, here, you ready for the main point? All right, here's the main point. The main point is God's given you new clothes that reveal to others the new you. So the new you has a new look. Now, you need a new you. We've established that. And, and we've been given new ways to deal with old days But God even goes further. So now this new you, you need to go on a shopping spree. Anybody like to go on a shopping spree? Anybody? Any men, would you like to go on a shopping spree with me? Just a couple of you. I mean, don't take my man card, but I I would love a shopping spree. But I want you to know that, that God, when he saved us, when he delivered us, when he made us new, he took us on a shopping spree and he's bought us new clothes. And these are some fancy, expensive clothes. It's the most, ex- most expensive clothes you'll ever buy. Why? Because those clothes cost Jesus his life. And so he's giving you new clothes. He's giving me new clothes. And I'm so jacked up about it because I love new clothes. But, but with these new clothes, we, we have to put them on. We have to wear them. And that's what we will unpack this morning. So will you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word, Colossians 3, 5 through 14. It's what the apostle Paul writes to the church at Colossae. Put to death... Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So, so now that you are in Christ, you need to put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. So what belongs to your earthly nature? Well, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So in your old, in your old life, that's what you did. 
But undoubtedly, you got a new life. But here's what he keeps on saying, verse eight. But now you must also, not only do you need to put to death some things, but you need to rid yourself of all such thing, things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self. There it is. You've removed those old clothes with its practices and you have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. He goes on to write. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, here it is, clothe yourself. So put on these new clothes. They've been purchased for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put, put on love, clothe yourself with love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let's pray. Father, may you be glorified this morning. Jesus, I, I am so grateful that it's in you that we have new clothes. It's because of your death and your resurrection that we can wear these new clothes because you have made us new. And so, Spirit, I pray that you would go to work ministering among us, in us. I pray that you would give us the power that we need to put off and to put on. I, I pray for Northland Church and I pray for every church, not only here in the central Florida region, but but the state, the nation, and the globe, may we wear the clothes that, has, that, that have been purchased for us that we might give glory to God. And it's in your name we pray, our King. And all God's people said, you may be seated. All right, so here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at three things. Now, the, the first thing that we are going to look at is what are the old clothes and what do they reveal about you? So if clothes, if our clothes reveal who we are, if it points to our identity, well, what do the old clothes, what do they reveal about our old identity? Well, Paul gives us two lists. On one list, he's going to say, put to death. You need to kill those suckers. And then on the other list, he's going to say, you need to take those clothes off. So I, I put an image together for us this morning that shows the earthly nature, the old self, and right there in the middle is a broken, disease, damaged, dark heart. Every single one of us, when we were born, that's what we were born with. Congratulations. You got a diseased, you got a sinful, broken heart. And, and that, that was given to us by Adam and Eve. That's what they call the original sin. So every one of us, we were caught up in that original sin. That is our earthly nature. And so what Paul is saying to the believers at Colossae is that that's the old Jew. But, but I want you to realize that the old Jew, you need to kill and you need to put off. And so he gives two lists. Let me go through each list. The first list is put to death what? Sexual immorality. You say, what is sexual immorality? It is any kind of sexual contact or intercourse outside the confines of a covenant marriage between a man and a woman. That's what sexual immorality is. Now, let me say a couple of things about this one word because the other words build off on this word. I expect lost people to be sexually immoral. Like you should too. 
Because by our very nature, we are sexually immoral people. We do things that God doesn't want us to do sexually. We are broken sexually. When it comes to Christians, when it comes to believers that profess the name of Christ, I am with the Apostle Paul. We need to kill the old and so that we can put on the new. Here's what I find extremely appalling in our day and age is that we have believers, people who profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior sound just like Satan in the garden. And you know what, you know what Satan You know what he said to Eve in the garden? Did God really say? And so we have believers, people in the church, when it comes to sexual conduct, they want to sit there and they want to debate God about what the word says. The word is clear of what covenant marriage is. Covenant marriage is between a man and a woman and anything sexually outside that confines is sexual immorality and believers are called to put that to death. And this is me smiling, but this is me being very emphatic that we need to get with the Bible if we profess Jesus. So put to death sexual immorality, put to death impurity. So Jesus has made us pure. So what Paul is saying, put to death anything, any thought, any environment, watching anything, listening to anything that would make you impure, that would taint you. So so he says, kill what would make you impure. So thinking, listening, watching, going somewhere, put it to death. Then he says also that you, uh, you need to put to death, the, the, the third one is lust. So anything that you are thinking about that is forbidden, don't dwell on it, put it to death, kill it, stop it. So if you're at the gym and, and you're sitting there lifting weights and, and you, see a, you see a woman that barely is wearing anything, don't stare. Don't stare. Kill it. Put it to death. Look down. Look at your shoes. Look up. Close your eyes and think about your grandma. I don't know. <laughs> but don't lust don't, don't think don't fantasize about the forbidden and then the, the fourth one is evil desires so this is a very interesting Greek word because in, in other places Paul uses the word desire in a good way but what he's saying here is that don't take that which is good and twist it and distort it. And we can do that with everything. We can do that with people. We can do that with our spouse. We can do that with our children. We can do that with materials. We can do that with money. Those things that were meant for good, we can twist them and we can distort them and we can use them in a way that God did not intend. And those are evil desires. You need to kill evil desires. And then the, the, last, the last word on this list is greed. That's the insatiable hunger for more. Whenever I think about greed, I think about that game growing up, Hungry, Hungry Hippos. You remember that game where you had four hippos, you threw all the marbles out, and you just like, you like that, and you try to eat all the marbles. Well, greed is that, is that you're never content with what you have. You always want more. And that, that, that more, that the desire for more, it can come in every area of your life. But he puts this actually with the list of sexual sins. And so, so you, you need to put to death greed. So that's just one side, but I want you to look at this side. Because what this side says about the old you, about the old nature, is that we love to use, 
abuse and seduce people for our own pleasure. Now, I know I got a lot of Gen Z in this room right now. And I know that one of the, one of the things that, gen, or that young people have said for years, but we love each other. No, you don't. You lust each other. And if you are a child of the king and you need to put to death sexual immorality, you need to put to death lust, you need to put to death evil desires, you need to put to death impurity. If you are a child of God, it's not love, it's lust. And so, you, so, so those are things, but, but what we do as human beings is that because we are broken, it is manifested in how we use, abuse, and seduce people for our own pleasure. And then we have the second list of put off. Then he's going to tell us to put off anger, bitterness, resentment. So maybe some of you in here, you're a believer, but you got some resentment and some bitterness issues that have not gone away, that has actually been with you for decades. What Paul says is put that off. Quit wearing that clothing. Then he also says this, is that don't, don't, don't have rage. Put off rage. Those are those outbursts of anger. You know, uh, some people have a, have a trigger and it's like a button. And if you, if you, hit the, if you pull that trigger and hit that button, they explode on you. That, that's rage where there's this emotional explosion that happened that you cannot control. And Paul says, put that off. Then he also is going to say, put off malice. Malice is that you want to hurt somebody. Like you desire to hurt somebody. And if that person does get hurt, you'll say things like, serves them right. They had it coming to them. Why? Because you have this malice in your heart. You want them to suffer. You want them to experience harm. And then the other word, the other piece of clothing is slander. Paul says, put this off, cutting down people. You, you, you all not slander. You all not belittle people. You all not destroy people with your, with your language. And then he also says, filthy language. Now, I know what some of you think, well, does that mean I can't cuss Pastor Josh? Well, it's not what Paul's really getting at, but it could, could be cussing, foul language. But I want you to think of filthy language as that which brings about garbage in someone's life. Is that filthy language is not edifying, filthy language is not encouraging, it doesn't bring about good, it doesn't bring about flourishing, it just is a big trash can in the middle of your life or in someone else's life. So do you have language that messes up people's life, rather brings about flourishing? Like, so that's filthy language. And Paul says you need to put those things off. If you're a child of the king, you no longer need to wear those clothes. You need to put them off. Now, I was thinking about this is that, all right, so what do these clothes reveal about our identity in the old nature? Well, here's what they reveal. They reveal idolatry and they reveal the wrath of God if you look at the passage. Because he talks about greed and then he says, which is idolatry? So idolatry is this idea that you put anything or yourself before God. So we were created in God's image to worship him. He is supposed to be preeminent, supreme, paramount in our life. Idolatry is putting anything else or someone or ourselves in the place of God. That is idolatry. And what these clothes suggest is that we are idolaters by our very nature. And because we are idolaters by our very nature, that we don't worship God, we don't ascribe worth to him, we don't bring him glory, we bring ourselves glory and ascribe worth to ourselves, then what, what Paul says is that the wrath of 
of God is directed against you, which is why the wrath of God was directed against the human race. Because of the clothes that we wore, which depicted our identity, who we were. So we have God's condemnation and his punishment towards us. But I wanted to take it just one step further because I want to give this understanding of what these clothes actually not only reveal about us, but what kind of world they lead to. Here's what kind of world is made from these clothes, a broken world, a broken world. And we all know this. All of those clothes that we would wear, it leads to broken relationships. It leads to broken marriages. It leads to broken homes. It also leads to diseased hearts. I mean, just think about even the sexual sins. And we wouldn't have to worry about sexually transmitted diseases if we lived according to God's standard. But diseased heart, injustice, those clothes lead to injustices that we all see. We see it on the news. We read in the newspaper. We see them on Twitter and TikTok. And then abuse, those clothes that we would wear, they lead to verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and then deception. I mean, especially, especially that list of malice and slander, those kind of lists that will say things. But, but also we'll say that, oh, this is what we really are. But when, when we really know that's not, so we're very deceptive or we're very deceptive with our words, violence, hurting people, rage. I mean, that, where does that come from? It comes from the old nature, shame. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people today that walk around in shame that they really do feel as if they are bad and they walk around in a posture of hanging their head because they're not secure in who they are. Racism comes from those clothes. Ethnocentrism, where one ethnic race believes that they're better than another. That's where you get male chauvinism. Female chauvinism is through those clothes because it reveals this broken nature. Corruption, business corruption, organizational corruption, political corruption, governmental corruption and then pride. I mean, you and I, we, we've seen it. I mean, we are entering into a season where no one will even say that they're sorry. Cut them off in traffic. And, and they're like, oh, we, no one's like, that, that was my right. I had to, you know, I mean, that, that's the, why, because we live in a, in a world that is full of pride. That, that's the kind of world that is created by the clothes that we wear because it depicts something's going on in here. But then the second question that I want to answer this morning, and I'm going to put it up here on, on the screen, is what are the new clothes? What are the new clothes? And what do they reveal about us? Well, so Paul is going to say put on, which is the heavenly nature, the new self, and notice the heart. It's no longer dark. It's no longer diseased. It's no longer broken. It is a very strong heart. And the reason why it is a very strong heart is because you and I, if we are in Jesus, we have been given a heart transplant, and he has put his heart in to us. It is a very healthy heart. So congratulations. You and I, we can live in victory because Jesus has given us his heart. Now, because he's giving us his heart, we now can put on the clothes that he has purchased for us. So, so Josh, what are those clothes? I'm glad that you asked. So clothing, number one, compassion. Last week, we looked in Lamentations 3, where God's compassions, his mercies, his love, 
They're new every morning. So think about it. What God gives to us daily, we can show to others daily too, is that we can have this deep-seated love, this deep-seated compassion where we are merciful to other people, all people. And then here's the second piece of clothing, kindness. That's goodwill towards people. That that you're looking uh, around you and going, how can I do good to that person? You just want to be kind. A, a, A third piece of clothing is humility. Now, let me just describe humility. Humility is just thinking of yourself less. It's thinking of yourself less. And when you and I think of ourselves less, we can think of others more. So when we think of ourselves less and we can think of others more, then we can serve others more because we are humble. It's not about me. And then you could say to yourself, it's not about me. It's about he and others. A fourth piece of clothing is gentleness. Now, gentleness is meekness or strength under control. And you can really practice this when you're, when you're tempted to be angry or have an outburst of, of rage is that you do not give blow for blow. So somebody, you know, somebody does something to you, you don't immediately react and do it back to them. But you are gentle. You are meek. You are calm under pressure. That's gentleness. Uh, the, the fifth piece of clothing is patience. That, that you're enduring. That you just don't give up. You just don't throw in the towel. You don't throw in the towel on a relationship. You don't throw in the towel on the church. You don't throw in the towel in life. Like You are patient because you know God's doing something. You're enduring. You're long-suffering. But then he's going to give another list in this chapter, and he's going to talk about forbearance, is that you're putting up with. Now, in, in Paul's writings, he does not... He does not do a good job with forbearance towards sin in the church, and we shouldn't either. If somebody is publicly sinning and they profess Jesus as Christ, there should be correction. So so Paul is like, don't put up with sin, but you need to put up with other people. So if other people get on your nerves, then you need to practice forbearance. And here's what I know. There's a lot of people that can get on your nerves. A lot of people. The, se- the second piece of clothing in this list is forgiveness. It's like we need to put on forgiveness. Just as God forgave us in Jesus, we forgive others in Jesus. Let me ask you this. Did Jesus, did God forgive you in total of your sin? So anything is ever done to you, you should forgive in total because Jesus forgave you in total. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be consequences. Somebody might not go to jail. I mean, I'm not saying that. But you do not hold them accountable. You do not hold the record of wrong over them for what they've done to you because Jesus paid our debt in full and God forgave us, past, present, and future. The third piece of clothing in this list is love. And he says, this is the thing that binds everything together. Love, this agape, unconditional love. It is the piece of clothing that unites all the other pieces of clothing and that you ought to put that on, put love on. And then the last two is peace and what we will see is gratitude. 
So peace is flourishing, tranquility, harmony. You need to put that peace on you. You need to clothe yourself in peace and then gratitude. You need to be a grateful person. You need to be a thankful person. You don't need to be a a spiteful person, a critical person. Put those things off, but put on the new you, which is full of gratitude. Now, what do these things reveal? What do these things reveal about our heavenly nature? Two things, the image of the creator and God's chosen people. The image of the creator and God's chosen people. That's what these pieces of clothing reveal. That you have been renewed in the image of the creator. So you have been redeemed. You have been delivered from your sin. Now you're starting to image correctly your creator. And then it also reveals that you are God's chosen children, that you truly have been redeemed. You have been saved. You have been delivered. You have been forgiven. You have been made new, that you are God's chosen people, holy, set apart, distinct from the world and what the world would wear, and that you are dear loved by the beloved that's what it reveals now here's the here I want to go one step further okay what kind of community do those clothes create what kind of community do those clothes create think about this it creates a whole earth filled with love then you have respect honesty integrity and ethics that are formed in this community. This community pursues justice, not injustice. This community cares for one another. Somebody's hurting you, care for them. Communication, there's healthy communication in this community because instead of slandering, instead of filthy language, instead of that garbage, there's healthy communication. Even in conflict, there's healthy communication. There is giving that is part of this community and it's not just giving but generous giving that brings about the flourishing of the community there's serving why because you have humility and so therefore you think less of yourself so that you can serve others more there's encouragement so instead of instead of destroying people with your language and and, and instead of damaging people with your language and tearing them down you're going to build them up through your words and then the confidence oh i love i love confidence everybody say confidence Oh, in this new you, in this new community, everybody walks with confidence. They don't walk in pride, but they walk in confidence. And why do they walk in confidence? Because they know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the old is gone and the new is come. So you can walk around in confidence, not because of who you are and what you do or what you don't do. You can walk in confidence knowing of who Jesus is and what he has done. Therefore, you don't have to walk around in shame. You don't have to walk around in guilt. You can walk around in victory because you are confident in who Jesus is and who he declares you to be. Confidence. Confidence. You confident? And then unity in this community. I mean, this is what Paul says in this passage is that in this community, a miracle has happened and there is equality between men and women. There is equality between slave and free. There's equality between Greek and Jew. There's equality at the foot of the cross. Jesus is creating one new human race from every tribe, every tongue, every language, every people group, which is why we can come from diverse backgrounds. We can come from different ethnicities and yet in Jesus we can have this community filled with love that's the world 
But you know what? You know what the million dollar question is? How do we put off and put on? Like we're, we're sitting there going, and, and again, I'm trying to build out this argument of going, yes, we don't like those clothes. I would even say people far from Jesus, if they really were honest, they would say, yes, that, that is what the world is full of. That is what the world ultimately leads to. I don't want that. So now as believers, we have the sanctified mind now because it's been redeemed in Jesus. So we know that the old is bad, but the new is good. And Paul says to put off the bad, put off the old, and put on the new and the good, but the million dollar question for the believer is how? So here's what I, I'm really going to encourage you. For, for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to give you a list of seven things. And these seven things, I, I would encourage you to write them, take a little picture, go back. You're like, well, I don't like taking notes when you preach or Pastor Joshua. And if you want to go back later, you need to take these down because these seven truths, we will have to know them and we will have to apply them in our life so that, so that we will learn to put on the new clothes more than we put on the old clothes. So these are the seven statements, these seven truths that we find right here in Colossians 3. If we're gonna put off the old and put on the new, you need to live by these seven truths. All right, truth number one is this, is that die to sin and live with Christ. Die to sin and live with Christ. Paul says you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So, so if you've been raised, that also means that you have died with Christ. Paul says that in Galatians 2, that you have, I have been crucified with Christ. And no longer do I live, no longer do you live, but you allow Jesus to live through you. Why? Because you died to your sin and now you have been raised with Jesus to new life. But did you notice where Jesus is seated at? Where is he seated at? The right hand of God. What does that mean? Is I'm gonna set my heart What's the heart? It's the central control panel. Every action that we do comes from the central control panel of our heart. And so what Paul says is that if you want to put on the new clothes of Jesus rather than putting on the old clothes of you, you have got to now set your heart on Jesus who's seated at the right hand of God, meaning that you need to long for and look towards and gaze upon the rule and reign of Christ coming into your life. Because because you no longer are in charge. King Jesus who sits at the right hand of God, he's in charge. And so that, that's the truth that you and I will have to live by. You've been raised with Christ. So guess what? You have a new style. You have new clothing. You need to hate that old style. That, that old style, don't ever let it come back. I know how like the 70s and 80s like to come back. I'm reading right now of how bell bottoms are coming back. Bell bottoms do not need to come back. <laughs> We got, we got a new style, got new clothing. We died to sin, we live to Jesus. Number two, seek heavenly things rather than earthly things. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. So we're gonna set our heart to the rule and reign of Christ. But while we set our heart, we're gonna also set our mind to heavenly things. One of the things that I think I tell you often is how God has always, from Genesis all the way through Revelation, how he has wanted to bring heaven to earth. He wanted to bring heaven to earth. 
And so now that we are new creatures in Christ and we've been given new clothes, if we wanna put on those new clothes, we've gotta attune our minds to the heavenly realm and we've gotta ask ourselves, how do we bring heaven to earth? How do we bring heaven to earth in our marriage? How do we bring heaven and earth in our parenting? How do we bring heaven and earth to our school? How do we bring heaven and earth to our career, to our vocation? Because if I can set my mind on heavenly things, then I'm going to let heavenly things invade earthly spheres. Okay? Number three, hide your life with Christ. Have I told you? I don't think I've told you yet. But Colossians 3, 1 through 4, they are my life verses. Like if you go on my website, joshlaxton.com, like and you look at what, what my favorite passage passages are, Colossians 3, 1 through 4, and this is the why. This is the reason why. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So your life is now hidden with who? Christ. Oh, so when people go looking for you, the only way they'll find you is if they find Jesus first. Why? Because you're hidden. You do know that when Jesus died, he didn't die just for part of you. He didn't die just for a part of me. He died for all of you and all of me. So therefore, we are hidden with Christ. That's why I love that song. Every step I take, I take in you. You are my way, Jesus. Every breath I breathe, I breathe in you. Every move I make, I make in you. Why? Because I'm hidden in you. And so the only way, the only way to find me is to find Jesus first. You can say, I'm preaching this stuff. I mean, I love it, love it. Number four, number four. You, you, maybe some of you knew, like, is he like this every week? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so number four, grow in knowledge and understanding of your creator. Grow in knowledge and understanding of your creator. So you've put on the new self, which is being renewed. Now, how is it being renewed? In what? Knowledge of of what the image of its creator growing up i would take golf lessons from from the time i was six seven uh, to the time i went to college I, I took golf lessons and i remember when i was a teenager my my golfing instructor he would videotape me and then he would he would pause it and he would put up the image of me and then he would put up an image of like jack nicholas Ernie Els, or at that point, too, Tiger Woods just had come on the scene. And so he would say, oh, you see where you are here? Here's where they are. This is where you need to get. So what he was teaching me was the, fundamental, the, the, the fundamentals of the golf swing through images so that I could image the professional. See, if we're going to image Jesus, you got to know Jesus. You, you can't just know things about Jesus. You actually need to know him. And so that means you need to study his life. You need to study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You need to understand the, the, the Old Testament, how it was pointing to Jesus. Because when we get knowledge of who Jesus is, then we can image him to the world. But without identifying with Jesus, without in intensely diving into his life, we will not be able to image him in the world. So we gotta, we gotta grow in our knowledge and understanding of your creator, which is why, one of the reasons why I tell you to take notes, so that you can grow in knowledge and understanding. Because here's the thing that you don't want, this is extra, I haven't said this to anybody else, so congratulations. But you don't want the truth of God to go in one ear and out the other when the whole sole purpose of your existence is to image your creator. Okay, all right, I'm, all right, number five, number five. 
I love this section over here. I'm going to start just preaching to you this section right over here. So <laughs> just joking. I'm coming over to you in just a second. So, so let your hearts be ruled by the peace of Christ. Everybody say ruled. Oh, I, I, I love this. And the reason why I love that word is because it means umpire. And I'm getting these Instagram reels right now of bad umpires. But we, but we got an umpire. He's, he's never bad. He's perfect and his name is King Jesus. And, and what Paul was saying is that if you wanna put on these new clothes that he has given to you, you need to let the peace of Christ, the peace that is bringing flourishing to every realm of your life, the person who is bringing total flourishing once and for all later on to all of creation, you need to let Jesus, his peace umpire your heart. So, so you need to let him call balls and strikes. You need to let him call balls and strikes in relationships. You need to let him call balls and strikes in your marriage. You need to let him call balls and strikes in your vocation. You need to let him call balls and strikes of your engagement or lack thereof in his church. You need to let his peace umpire your life. Because if you don't let him umpire your life, you won't put on his clothes. Number six. Invite the word to take up primary residence in your life. Let the message, and that word, the Greek word for message is logos. It's where we get word from. So let the word of Christ dwell among you rich, richly. It reminds me of John 1, verse 14. And the word, the logos, became flesh. And what did the, what did the logos do? He dwelt. See, see, the Logos, Jesus, he was the word of God made flesh and he came to take up residence here on planet earth. And so now what Paul is saying, if you want to put on his clothes that he has purchased for you, you need to let his word dwell, take up primary residence in your heart. You need to let forgiveness take up primary residence. You need to let grace take up primary residence. You need to let sacrifice take up primary residence. You need to let holiness take up primary residence. You need to let the glory of God take up primary residence in your heart. And here's how you know, oh, this is so good. I just want to dance. You know, one of the ways that you can tell that you've let at least the word just take up some kind of residence in your heart is that you'll sing out of your mouth. Here's what Paul says. He, he, he says this. As you let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs. So the, the way you know if you're putting on new clothes is if you've got a new song coming out of your mouth. Because Psalm chapter 40 says he's put a new song in my heart and it comes out of my mouth. The only reason why I sing that new song is because I got some new clothes. Oh, yeah, okay. Number seven. Last one, last one. Live to make the name of Jesus known. Live to make the name of Jesus known. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You will only make known that to which you owe. Let me say it this way. You will only make known someone to which you feel like you owe. Like for instance, when we are talking about good things that have happened in our life, there are times where we wanna go back in our past and uh, we wanna make known our parents. I mean, if it, wasn't, if it weren't for our parents, we would have never been able to do this. Or maybe some of you, you have a coach, you have a mentor, 
when, when you look back, you're like, man, if it wasn't for uh, Coach Gates, if it, if it wasn't for Mr. Rayner, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at today is because of their investment in, in me is, is who I am. See, you'll never make known, so you will never make known that to which that you don't see that they've owned anything in your life. But for Jesus, the reason why we'll make him known is because we owe him everything. We owe him everything. So we owe him our very breath. We owe him our life. We owe him, we owe him our, our, our heart that he's made new. We owe him our family. We, we, owe, we owe Jesus everything. So therefore, we'll make him known in word and deed. Here's a formula that we can live by. Here's a formula. Let me give it to you and I'm done. Your identity, who you are, plus your purpose, why you exist, plus your function, what you do, equals the clothes you'll choose to wear. See, when you know who you are, and again, this works both ways, old nature, new nature. New nature, your identity, my identity is hidden in Jesus. Our purpose is to glorify God in every realm of our life, to reflect his characteristics, his nature, his attribute. Our function is to make him known through word and deed. So if that's our identity, purpose, and function, then every single day, every waking minute, every hour, every week, every month, every year, as long as we have breath, we will desire to choose to wear the new clothes that have been purchased for us by Jesus because our new clothes reveal the new you. Let's pray. Father, may we wear these clothes. Thank you for providing these clothes. These clothes are glorious. These clothes are good. These clothes lead to not only function, but flourishing in every area of our life. And so Spirit of God, I pray for power to put on these new clothes. When we're tempted to put on the old clothes, oh, will you remind us to put to death, to put off those old janky out of style clothes and put on the new clothes that have been purchased by Jesus. And may we wear them proudly. May we wear them so that you might be made known. And we pray this all in the name of our King. All God's people said, hey, will you stand with us as we sing one last song?